Hi, I'm Joe Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, I have a few things to talk about. First up, I talk about the latest album by a band who hasn't performed in 40 years. Then, an update involving William Shatner and Twitter. Plus, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 is out. Well, if you're in the United States and Canada, find out why later. And finally, a special bonus review of Adele's 30. But first, Mamma Mia, here they go again. You know, surprisingly, despite the fact that I played a lot of music on my podcast recently, for those of you on Spotify, I haven't actually talked that much about music. So let's make up for that with ABBA. Now, for a lot of people, ABBA can be one of many things. They're either, oh, the people who sang Mamma Mia, the people whose songs are based off that musical Mamma Mia, the people whose songs are based off that Broadway musical based off that terrible film Mamma Mia and its sequel. Now here's the thing, I have nothing against ABBA. I like ABBA, though I can't stand Mamma Mia for some reason. I just really hated that film and without going to a long tangent about it, the ending sucked. As for the sequel, I never saw it. Now for me, ABBA has always been that band that was popular in the 70s, but by the time of course I discovered them, they had long broken up. With the possibility of them ever getting back together being as likely as William Shatner befriending George Takei again. More on that later. So a few years ago, I was shocked to find out that ABBA was making a TV special in which they would reunite for a brand new song. And I was a bit surprised. Mostly because by that point, I had finally discovered ABBA. Mostly through their album, ABBA Gold. A great album I really enjoyed listening to. And in fact, I wound up going a bit more into their deep cuts. In fact, one of the songs I played earlier this year on repeat was Waterloo. Also, I should, before I continue, point out that I'm also a fan of the A-teens, the bizarre experiment in the late 90s to bring the music of ABBA for the 90s, which lasted all of one album before they went on to make, well, their own original music, a good one being Floor Filler. So I was a bit excited to find out what ABBA would do with this special. And a few years went by, COVID happened, I forgot about it. And then I found out they released an entire album. And right now, I'm holding it in my hand. It's Voyage. It apparently contains the one song that was originally supposed to be as part of that special, which eventually got cancelled and converted into a live concert event starting next year. But it also contains a bunch of new songs, and apparently a demo that they revitalized. And I will say this. Despite the fact that it's been over 40 years, they still got it. It honestly does not sound like a lot of time has passed. They still got the vocals and the chorus to sing all of these songs, and it's kind of amazing. In this one album, which again is the first in over four decades, they have a lot of great hits. Like one of the more notable standouts is Just a Notion, which is the only one that was recorded in the 70s. One of my favorite songs from this album is Keep an Eye on Dan. Which, within its context, is all about, well, a divorced family. In which it's sung from the point of view of the parent, who is essentially telling their former lover to keep an eye on their child. And it's heartbreaking just hearing the story, since it might as well be based on a true story, considering what really happened to the band. 
Now the other reason I really like Keep an Eye on Dan, it's how it's basically the prequel to SOS. It even ends with the same piano keys. In a way, you could listen to Keep an Eye on Dan and then immediately go to SOS with little to no transition since the same piano notes are played from the end of that song to the start of SOS. And in a way, it's a continuation of this person's story about how the divorce has affected them. There were of course other songs and some of them sound reminiscent of their early hits, some of them sound more existentialist, but for the most part, it's a really great album. Never would I have thought that I would hear a new Ava album before the new Adele album. To me it's just a bit jarring because I grew up listening to some Alba songs because my dad constantly played them alongside a bunch of other rock songs and I thought, okay, just another one of those old albums. And then eventually I grew into liking the music. Not through Mamma Mia, but just through listening through other programs and such. I think the first time I discovered Ava myself was through Madonna when she used a sample of one of their songs, I think Gimme 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 A Man After Midnight for Hung Up. And that's how I eventually got more into Ava. It wasn't the musical, it wasn't that shitty film or its sequel, it was Madonna. But going back to Voyage, it's a great album. Honestly, it's, it's a miracle that we even get a new album from Ava in 2021, considering how they broke up 40 years ago and they're back. So all I will say is this, if you're a fan of ABBA, grew up listening to ABBA like my dad, or just want to discover something new, check out Voyage by ABBA. I also recommend listening to Keep an Eye on Dan and SOS back to back, because that transition is really good. Also, for those of you who have been collecting ABBA albums on vinyl, the good news is, if you don't want to buy the CD or have it on digital, it's also on vinyl. Though I have to admit that the edition I have in my hands is the CD version, the Target exclusive edition, which for some reason plays the virtual ABBA characters, long story, it's part of the concert, plays weirdly in frames that reminded me a lot of the Beatles' Let It Be album. Which coincidentally came out around the same time, but that's a whole other story. Voyage by ABBA is to be able to own on CD, vinyl, and digital, as well as stream on most platforms. So you may be wondering what I was referring to in my ABBA review about William Shatner. A few weeks ago, I made a podcast in which I talked about William Shatner, and how a tweet of mine in which I talked about how nobody liked William Shatner on Star Trek got huge numbers on Twitter, to a bizarre extent that I normally don't get, not even from my podcast. And I talked about in that podcast how much people were upset over the fact that I was promoting the podcast, and just how... How dare you mock William Shatner after he went to space? Now again, I should point this out. I did not write that article. Someone else wrote the article. I just found it and decided to share it. And this all began because of George Takei saying something about William Shatner's weight. And there's a good reason for why Shatner and Takei don't talk to each other, and it's something that is between the two of them. And I feel it would be unfair for me to pick sides. I am neutral in this situation. William Shatner did not give a fuck about that, because... One day I was just looking at a bunch of news and realizing, wait, why am I not getting William Shatner's tweets? And then I found out that he blocked me. Yes, Captain Kirk blocked me on Twitter. Do I feel offended? No. If anything, I'm just really confused. I honestly don't know if William Shatner has actually listened to my podcast. 
I mean, it would be great if Captain Kirk listened to my podcast, but I honestly doubt he wants to hear me talk about bad fanfiction. If anything, I'm just a little confused. Because normally I would expect someone to tell me, oh, your podcast is terrible, then they just block me. A while back, I actually got that type of response from someone who got mad about a Tumblr post I made about Sailor Moon because I dared make a comparison to Maleficent and I used the Angelina Jolie film instead of Sleeping Beauty. They also said that men shouldn't review Sailor Moon, but that's besides the point. I am not offended that Shatner blocked me on Twitter. That is his choice, and if he wants to do that, fine. All I will say is I stand by what I said in my podcast, where, from what I've seen on Twitter, especially from all of those replies, was that Shatner is a bit of a diva. I think this is the first time a celebrity has actually blocked me on Twitter. I can't think of any other time that's happened to me. Now George Takei, on the other hand, has not blocked me. Could it be that maybe he's on my side? Of course not, he probably doesn't even know I exist. He probably just said what he said about Shatner and moved on with his life. Whereas Shatner is being petty and probably just wanted to block anyone who said something negative about him. Also continue to watch Star Trek the original series, or any of the films he did. Well, except Over the Hedge, that movie sucks. If you've never seen Over the Hedge, don't. It's a terrible animated film with Bruce Willis as a raccoon, and honestly, it's just really bad and forgettable, and everyone's talents in that film were wasted, from Bruce Willis to Avril Lavigne to William Shatner. Just don't watch Over the Hedge. It's a terrible film. Just to show I have nothing against William Shatner, I'll promote a show. The Unexplained with William Shatner airs Friday nights on the History Channel. Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery streams in Canada on Crave, as well as the CTV Sci-Fi Channel, as well as Paramount Plus in the United States. Now the reason I need to point that out is because, well, Star Trek Discovery is no longer streaming on Netflix. Now for those of you who have Netflix in Canada and the United States, you probably have no idea what is going on. Why people are freaking out about Discovery not being available on Netflix when, throughout the show's run, it has never streamed on Netflix in both Canada and the United States. To quickly get out of the way, Star Trek Discovery is the sixth TV show in the Star Trek franchise after the original next-gen Deep Space Nine Voyager and Enterprise, and not counting the films and animated series. When the show first premiered in the US, it streamed on CBS All Access, the direct predecessor to Paramount+. Plus. But outside of the United States, because at the time, CBS All Access was not available outside of the country, CBS, which at the time was producing Discovery, made an agreement with Netflix to stream the show everywhere but Canada in the US. The US, it was CBS All Access, while in Canada, it went under a different agreement with two Canadian companies, CTV and Crave. And that's all I know about that. Now for the most part, that was a fair agreement, since at the time, CBS All Access was limited when it came to regions, where it was only available first in the US, and then slowly it expanded to Australia. And when Biocom and CVS re-merged, after being apart for several years, things started to change. Quickly. For starters, Biocom and CVS changed all the streaming services, and which they just simply rebranded CVS All Access with the far more recognizable Paramount Plus. Because outside of the United States, frankly, nobody knows what CVS is. 
And at first, it seemed like Viacom CBS was perfectly fine with having their shows on the other streaming services. But then you start to notice that a lot of their shows are starting to leave streaming services and go exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Just within the past few months, I've seen a lot of shows leave Netflix that were produced by CBS, or their predecessor Paramount Television, move back to Paramount+. Plus. So right now, some of the Star Trek shows are only on Paramount+, Plus, while others are still on Hulu and Netflix. Now again, at the time, Discovery streaming on Netflix outside of the United States and Canada made sense, because of course, there was no other way to watch the show unless you were to bootleg it. And of course, Netflix is available in every other country on the planet. Something that StarTrek.com bragged about for years was how Netflix is available in 190 countries where, well, the other two services weren't available. However, in the last year or so, Paramount Plus has slowly been expanding to other regions, such as Latin America and very soon Europe. But that meant a little bit of a problem when it came time for Season 4 of Discovery. Now, for the first three seasons, the strategy was that the show would premiere episodes first on CBS All Access, as well as the Canadian broadcaster, and then the very next day, premiere on said Canadian streaming service, as well as Netflix. And with season 4, people were expecting that same strategy. In fact, it was being promoted all the way back on Star Trek Day back in September. What idea? Oh, it's coming to Netflix. But then two days before the show even premiered its fourth season on Paramount Plus, CVS made the announcement that it was pulling the show from Netflix and that the only countries who would get to air the show as a premiere were the United States through Paramount Plus and Canada through Crave and CTV. As for everyone else, it'll be on Paramount Plus in 2022. Now you might have noticed a problem with that. Paramount Plus is not available everywhere. And in the very few places it is available, the content is admittedly lackluster. And also, unlike other streaming services, such as say Disney Plus or Netflix, where if say you went to another country and wanted to use a streaming service there, you could at least use it. Not so much with Paramount Plus. As someone who's a kid who traveled to Mexico, I tried using Paramount Plus in Mexico, and it just doesn't recognize me. So, good job. But going back to the problem, there are a lot of places in which Paramount Plus is not yet available. And where it is available, it lacks content. Like a good example is what's available in Latin America, where here in the US, you get all of the Star Trek shows. But in Latin America, because of preceding rights, the only Star Trek shows on Paramount Plus throughout all Latin America are the animated shows. So none of the old Star Trek shows, not even Picard, are on Paramount Plus yet. Instead, in those countries, you need to subscribe to another service to get it. Prior to Discovery leaving Netflix, the only way you could catch up with Star Trek in Latin America was if you were subscribed not only to Paramount Plus, but also Netflix, as well as Prime Video. Because in most regions, Picard is streaming on Prime Video. Now, do I find that wrong that CBS made this decision at the very last minute? Yes. The thing is that for a lot of people, Netflix has been their only streaming service, and for the most part, it's been the one that they're willing to pay a lot for because they got a lot of content. But of course, nowadays, you have a lot of streaming services competing for attention, and the thing is that Paramount Plus, regardless of where you are, really does lack content. 
Now sure, here in the US, Paramount Plus has content from 5 brands. You have CBS, BET, Nickelodeon, the Smithsonian Channel, and MTV. But it's different in other countries because of course, those 5 brands aren't as recognizable elsewhere. And even then, there are older agreements which prevent some of these shows from being on their version of Paramount Plus, like the aforementioned Star Trek shows. For example, the Mexican version of Paramount Plus includes a wide range of Mexican remakes of Jersey Shore, called Acapulco Shore, but also Showtime. In the United States, Paramount Plus and Showtime are separate services, but in Mexico, they're under the same branding. Now the thing that really does piss me off about this announcement is that Paramount Plus is already available in some places. Like I said, it's already in Latin America, but even if you have Paramount Plus anywhere in Latin America, or say you're traveling to Latin America, good luck trying to watch Discovery on it, you're not going to find it. Now regardless of your opinion of Star Trek Discovery, and there's a lot to say about the show, it is wrong that CBS essentially withholding the show because it wanted to be on Paramount Plus, especially when 1. the service isn't available everywhere, and 2. even if you do have it, you're still gonna have to wait like the rest of the world. The only way you can now watch Discovery is if you were to say either live in the United States or Canada and subscribe to these services, have a VPN to these services, or bootleg it. Now I do not condone bootlegging or pirating. Although there are moments in which I fully understand why someone would like to pirate something. Whether it's because a show or film is not available in a certain country, or because, say, there is no official release of it. There are several examples of this happening, ranging from the Star Wars Holiday Special to, say, the Superman musical that only aired once in the 1970s. Once again, I do not condone or approve of piracy, but I understand why people do it. Now in a way, I can understand why CBS made this choice, because they want to show the air only on Paramount Plus. Yet at the same time, they didn't pull it from Canada. Which of course leaves the possibility that maybe there's a different agreement with the Canadian broadcasters that prevents them from pulling the show and putting it on Paramount Plus in Canada. However, I still find it wrong. And honestly, it just seems really petty from CBS. And it leads me to wonder if they'll do the same thing with Picard. At the moment, Star Trek Picard is streaming not only on Paramount Plus, but also Amazon Prime Video in certain regions. The same thing with Star Trek Lower Decks, where in addition to Paramount Plus and its Canadian broadcaster, it's also streaming on Prime Video, but only in select regions. Honestly, I would not be shocked if CVS pulled both shows before the premieres. At this point, anything is possible for CVS, since they're focused far more on getting their shows back and putting them only on Paramount+. Plus. So if say you wanted to watch any of the Star Trek shows, the Brady Bunch, or even Frasier, you're gonna have to subscribe to Paramount+. Plus. And it's understandable why people don't like Paramount+, Plus because again, the content is different depending on the region. While the Latin American version has Showtime, the US version has a live stream of CBS. So it might be hard for someone to subscribe to Paramount Plus if, say, you already have Netflix. I've talked about this beforehand about there being too many streaming services, and this feels like the right time to bring it up again. Is it worth subscribing to that streaming service if you want to watch that specific content? Now for me, I subscribe to Paramount Plus because there's a lot of shows I like that are airing not only on CBS, 
but also from their sister studios. So I could watch from CBS, Ghosts, Blue Bloods, and the NFL, but at the same time, I also have access to The Loud House, SpongeBob, and their Star Trek shows. My heart does go out to all those international Discovery fans, who honestly do feel a bit screwed considering everything that's happened. As a lot of people have said online, it's not the star's fault, it's not the producer's fault, it's not the fault of anyone working on Discovery, it's the fault of CBS for deciding at the very last minute to play keep away from Netflix. Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery streams in the United States on Paramount Plus and in Canada on the CTV Sci-Fi Channel and Crave streaming service. Finally, to bring it back to the start of the show, let's talk about Adele. Now as I mentioned, I was shocked to find out that an ABBA album came out before the new Adele album. Well, just before I finished recording this podcast, I listened to the Adele album and I have to say, I liked it. Now when it comes to Adele, she and Millie has released only four albums within the past 13 years, but those albums are worth the wait. Now there are a few changes made from past Adele albums, since in those albums it was about her developing as a person, going through love and marriage, and here it's basically the divorce album. Now the songs on this album are reminiscent of her past albums, but they do change things up a bit. In particular, My Little Love. My Little Love stands out from the rest of the songs on this album, mainly by how it features voice memos. By that I mean that you can clearly tell what parts are recorded in a studio versus the parts that Adele clearly recorded while at home with her son. And yeah, that's her son Angelo in the song My Little Love. And it's a very heartbreaking song to listen to, especially by how it's about Adele dealing with the divorce. This song makes a bit more sense when you listen to Adele's interview with Oprah on the One Night Only special, which you can stream on Paramount+. Plus. And there's also the part at the end where it's one of the more heartbreaking moments on the album in which Adele just talks about being lonely for the first time in a long time. And it's honestly one of those songs in which you really need to hear to understand how she feels. And there are other songs in this album which change things up a bit. Mainly how a woman like me is basically a middle finger of sorts to anyone who's rejected her. But what I really like about that song in particular is how she re-emphasizes the point by repeating the chorus one more time. Which to me just sounds a bit savage, but it's to help get her point across. And then there's Love is a Game, which is the second longest song on the album. In fact, I think it's tied to it to be loved. I've seen people talk about Love is a Game as being a tribute to Amy Winehouse. And in a way, it does sound reminiscent of some of Winehouse's songs, but to an extent. I don't think Adele was intentionally trying to recreate Amy Winehouse's performance, since there is a huge difference between how Adele performs and how the late Amy Winehouse performed. Now I should know that I've only listened to the first 12 songs on the album, and before anyone points out, but there's only 12 songs on the album, you'd be right and wrong. There are in fact three more songs, which are not available on Spotify or any of the standard albums. There's also a deluxe edition of the album, which as far as I can tell is only available in Japan and Target stores, which includes three more songs, including, from what I'm seeing here, her first duet in over 13 years with Chris Stapleton. Now that is a surprising detail to consider, that despite the fact that Adele has been singing for over 13 years, she's rarely had duets with anybody. The only other time she's ever had a duet with anybody was Daniel Merriweather for the song Water in a Flame. 
It's a good song, although admittedly not knowing much about Daniel Merriweather, I honestly can't tell you who he is. I have honestly not much else to say about the album. It's perfect, it's a masterpiece, it shows that Adele still has after all these years. Honestly, waiting six years for more content by Adele is worth the wait. It's just as worth the wait it was to listen to new music by ABBA. Also, if you have access to Paramount Plus in the US, you can watch Adele One Night Only, in which she sings three of the songs from the album, alongside a bunch of her classics and Skyfall. I highly recommend 30. 30 by Adele is available to own on cassette, yes, seriously, cassette, vinyl, CD, and digital, as well as stream on most digital platforms. One more thing, I would like to promote a brand new podcast that's now on Spotify and Anchor. The podcast is currently called Steph Steph 93 by Stefan Harris. Stefan is an old colleague of mine from City College and someone who has a really great voice for podcasting and I highly recommend checking out his podcast. Once again, his podcast is Steph Steph 93 and you can find him on both Anchor and Spotify. Next time on the Pop Culture Shuffle... It's Thanksgiving, and I'll give thanks with The The Best best and Worst of Fan fan Fiction, Volume 2. I'll highlight some old fan fiction I've highlighted on past episodes, as well as a brand new piece of fan fiction. But for now, that is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MrJoeGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening.